Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Jay Harwood's a special edition of Amazing Conversation with Seth Greenberg. Before we, I tell you why I'm talking to Seth, let me just tell you some of Seth's qualifications. 35 years as a head coach, Long Beach State, South Florida, um, Virginia Tech, close to 400 wins. Uh, one of the top analysts on ESPN, basketball, college basketball, college game day, studio host with Jay, uh, on college game with Jay Billis and uh, Reese Davis. But the reason that Seth Greenberg and I are talking, we our roots really started together. About 50 years ago, I was a young SID at Fairleigh Dickinson, and Seth was a, a, a star recruit for Plainview High School. And both of us this spring got a lot of satisfaction when our Knights, number 16, up, up, upset number one, Purdue. What was it like for you, Seth, that, that day? Well, first of all, Jay, I, I really do appreciate you. I mean, obviously, you were a young SID at Fairleigh Dickinson. I was a very young uh, player at Fairleigh Dickinson, playing for a very demanding coach. And you helped me kind of navigate those four years. And uh, they were great four years uh, that we had a chance to share together and uh, a lot of really fond memories. But uh, I was in the studio. We were, you know, the one thing about the NCAA tournament is obviously we don't have it, uh, you know, so but we do report on it. And so obviously Fairley's playing that game and we're sitting in uh, in the cafeteria. There's a, a private area where there's a bunch of TVs and, you know, the game's a close game. And, you know, I mean, like I'm jabbing everyone in the room and everything. And then all of a sudden I kept on saying that these guys have a junkyard dog mentality. Like they don't really care who they're playing against. I said, they're just going to go out and play and if they can basically become St. Peter's and impose their identity on the game. I said, this thing could get, could get interesting and that's exactly what had happened and uh it was fun that whole week was fun uh you know sending video messages to uh Tobin and the team and uh I, I've gotten fairly close to that team I had a chance to speak to them uh at, at Tobin's tip-off dinner and then I followed up and uh had a couple of interactions with a number of the players and a couple of interactions with well with him almost every other week and it was fun just to see how hard they played how much trust they had, how much passion he had for being at Fairleigh Dickinson. And it gave me a little bragging rights. So it was a, it was a great week. I kind of gave Billis and everyone else in the room a good hard time. And I basically said Harvard on a Hackensack. You never underestimate Harvard on a Hackensack. You know, Seth, I haven't forgotten my roots. You haven't forgotten your roots. And even though I've been, you know, I, le I left the FDU in, in 1980. So that's what, of, of 40, uh, Chris, I was 20 almost 40 years ago i still got a sense of pride you know we played in a small gym in rutherford 
you know, uh, and it, it said to get after you on the map. It was great. You, you haven't forgotten your roof. You know, my favorite Seth Greenberg stories. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember when we played in Texas? Yeah. We, I, Did, what? Go ahead with your favorite story. I'll give you mine. <laughs> we, were, we, we, we were in Texas, right? Yeah, I was there with, in the Texas trip. Yeah, but in the old so days, I got in trouble with the official score. I made all of our guys Southern. Did, did, we, did we have a guy on the team named Goldstein? I forget, but you might remember starting at guard for Fairleigh Dickinson, Seth Bob Greenberg. <laughs> I did that like three times before the guy said, what the hell is going on here? And but that was, that was Coach Adelbauer's philosophy. We play the games away, get in return. Unfortunately, you know, Coach left. Rothman said it came after. That was uh, that was fun. What, what did, what's what's your favorite story? You know, I have so many fond memories. I mean, obviously, obviously, Jim and Rutherford was so unique with the stage and and you know, playing right. against my brother there at Fairleigh Dickinson and at American University uh, was was obviously a really good memory. Uh, Made a couple of free throws at the end of that game. That was pretty positive. But my favorite memory is that Georgia win. Uh, when we went down to Georgia and uh, found a way to beat Jack Dorsey. I remember Coach DeVoe was actually at that game. He was at Tennessee at the time scouting it for Tennessee, which was really big for Coach Lababo because obviously they were on the same staff at Army. Uh, so I, I, I remember taking a charge on Jack Dorsey in that game probably not the brightest thing I've ever done in my life. And I remember coach coming out and as Jay Jorgensen would say, and he coach was like, he was more, he wasn't really concerned about my health at that point. He was just excited. I took a charge and like, he kept on grabbing my Jersey and like telling me, you know, way to step in there, way to step in there. And Jay Jorgensen, my college roommate said, the funniest thing in the world was your head was bouncing off the ground. Like every time coach picked you up to, to, to lay you down. But, uh, you know, we had we had a lot of fond memories. I mean, you know, we didn't win a ton of games. We were everyone's game in between league play. Played a great schedule. Uh, but you know, the cool thing about that, Jay, is you know, my class led by Jay Jorgensen, we started a foundation called Teammates for Life. That's great. Yeah, yeah I'm a part of that. Yeah, which we Good work. we raise money for people that are going through difficult times or helping pay for funerals of some of our former teams. So we reach out throughout the state of Connecticut and even outside of there, I mean, in New Jersey. And, you know, to me, 43 years later, I graduated fairly Dickinson basically 42, 43 years ago. Uh, and we still have that connection. I, you know, I spoke to Steve South the other day. He's actually made a drawing for my daughter's wedding in September. So, you know, the big thing, and I always used to say when I was coaching, when you go to you know, college, those, those memories and those relationships last your lifetime. And I can honestly say my relationship with Fairleigh Dickinson and my relationship with my teammates has lasted me a lifetime. And you got me on an email chain with, with those guys. Speaking of the Georgia win, probably one of the saddest days of my career at Fairleigh Dickinson was the day that Noki Johnson was killed in a, in a, in a car crash. I, I remember that he sitting there. I think I sat next to you. We were on, it was on Route 17 going from Rutherford to Teaneck, and it was George Lighter and Red yeah. Duck when the cover remember to the state. Yeah. I mean, Noki was a hell of a player. Plainfield. He, he, he was a great player. Yeah. He was he was a step above Fairleigh Dickinson. He had a big physical body. He could get the ball anywhere he wanted, anytime he wanted. He played with no fear and great confidence. And, you know, it's funny. Yeah. You take certain things for granted. You know, we lived in Teaneck. We practiced and played in 
in Rutherford. And we made that drive 80 to 17 every yeah. single day. And we never, before that, we never even thought about the weather. We never thought about, yeah. drive. we never thought about any of it. And, uh, and, and that was a hard time. I mean, I, I, I remember vividly going to coach's house myself uh, and checking on him. And I remember Mrs. Lababa, who was, you know, she took care of all of us. I mean, she obviously understood the situation better than anyone. And uh, I mean, as we called him, as we called him, not to his face, the old man, uh, I just remember how devastated he was. Like he was, I mean, it was hard to get a conversation out of him. Uh, yeah, it was a tough, I remember we all waited in a hospital that, that night. It, it was brutal, I, but uh, Donkey was a great, he was a really, really good player, good, you know, good person, yeah. came right from playing field and, uh, you know, it was a situation where it was just, it was just tragic. You know, George Lighty obviously survived and, and, and Duck survived as well, but it was, uh, that was a hard night. Playing, how you handled, Jay, and, you know, again, I, how you handled the game after that game, uh, I thought was incredible. And, and, you know, it was hard for all of us, yet you had to put all the pieces together to help us move yeah, forward, and you did a great job. Well, it was a tough time. But you, you know, Red Duck was my first All-American, Seth. First team, all-name team. We promoted <laughs> I don't feel, I'm not making this up. His sister was Daisy Duck. He had a <laughs> One year, I got him on the cover of the press can. You remember in Teaneck, there was a duck pond in the front yeah. of the of little... So Red and I used to sit there. I would throw Wonder Bread at the ducks to gravitate towards right. And the other guy I remember on the team was Flint Oil Cook. Was it was the other forward? That was that was my first uh, uh, my first team. Let me cover couple of covered events. What do you make of the Bronny James thing? Man, it's scary. I had a player, Alan Shady, who played for me at, at Virginia Tech. Actually, never played. Who went down in a very similar situation, and you know, you can have to err on the side of caution. I don't know all the medical side of it. I know Alan Chaney has actually started a foundation called Positive Adversity because it ended his career. Um, you know, look, he's going to get the best medical attention and they're going to make the, obviously the most uh, educated decision on what he can do. I was a little bit shocked that they said, well, how quickly he got out of ICU, like all of a sudden it's disappeared. We saw Keontae Johnson go through that uh, a couple of years ago uh, playing uh, in the Florida, Florida State game, obviously Alan Cheney went through that. I'm sure they will err on the side of caution and and just make sure that you know most important thing is to have a long and productive life. And you know basketball becomes secondary. And uh, but to me it was shocking because the kid's in world class shape. Obviously it's and it just shows you know, life is fragile. You know we all think life's easy, but life is fragile. I mean there are certain things you can't control, so you better control what you can control and. Seth, you might have left. Were you there when Harvey Johnson died on the court after, it might be the after a year or two after you? I think it was after us. It was after. Yeah, I was in the early 80s. I remember a big six foot eight guy, yeah. and, you know, collapsed and, you know, died on the court. Transfer portal, what are your thoughts? I think the transfer portal connected with NIL is absolutely toxic for the sport of college basketball. Uh, I think that the transfer portal now makes. The current players that are playing free agents, you imagine Major League Baseball where you can be a free agent every year. It's impossible for the continuity. And then if you add on top of that, 
uh, obviously NIL, which I'm, I have no problem with NIL if it's real NIL. I do have a problem with what I call pay for play, which is the collectives. Uh, we've got to find a better system. We've got to find a better way to do this. And I actually think it's going to end up with contracts, Jay. I think that we're going to end up with two-year contracts. So if we end up with two-year contracts, then all of a sudden what you're going to have is you're going to have a little bit more continuity. I think the university is going to have to figure out a way to fund it, obviously, maybe through some fundraising. But, you know, we see what's happening with realignment. Look what's happening with the Big 12. Uh, the, the TV money get, is so great that schools are going to have to find new revenue streams to support their athletic departments. But uh, the transfer portal is uh, made every single player in college basketball a free agent. But we ha- well, the other side of it, Jay, is these young, high- talented high school kids are not being recruited in the same manner. And it, it's really a problem. And then we've got on top of that, we've got overtime uh, elite. And we've got, you know, G League Ignite. And we've got all these different groups that uh, in theory are good. But there's also going to be a lot of kids that are chasing a dream that no, will have nowhere to go back to. Like, you know, like we think, you, you know, you go play it overtime. You, you take the money, you do all that stuff. That sounds great. It sounds great until you're not an NBA player because it's the most exclusive club in the world. And then you're 23 years old, 24 years old with no education and nowhere to go back to to help finish your education. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues in college athletics that I think needs to be visited. And I I think we've got to find a better partnership with the NBA because our partnership with the NBA, in my opinion, is the NBA has an agenda, which they should, they're shareholders. And I'm not sure we're working in conjunction with the, the game plan or vision of what college athletics is and, and for the masses, because every single college got played, got to play college basketball thinks he's an NBA player. And we know, you know that's not in the eye. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, when our, our coach, Coach LaBava, went over to St. John's and Coach Luke Conseca, I became a surrogate uh, St. John's fan. I used to go there a lot, and I got pretty close when Chris Mullen was the coach, you know, I was mm-hmm. friendly with Chris and he left. And, and you know, Rick Pitino has just done a, a 100% makeover there. I mean, when have you followed about that? I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a different St. John's team next year. Yeah, look, look, Rick is the perfect coach for St. John's. He is New York through and through. Uh, but more importantly, he's a world-class coach. What, what he does is he can take his team and beat you and he can take your team and beat you. Right. He's just, you know, there's, he's got a, an ability. I said this, I'm in Louisville, so obviously Rick's name's come up a lot. Rick walks into a room and he doesn't have to say a word. He takes over the room. Very, you know, there are just certain people that have that ability. Besides that, he is as good a coach as there is ever been in this game. His passion, his commitment. What makes him a good coach, Beth? Excuse me? What makes him a good coach? He has the ability to connect with players. He has the ability to develop players. He has a, he has an understanding of how to put guys in position to play to their strengths. Coaching is really creating a system and putting guys in position to play to their strengths. Show people what they can do, what the, as opposed to what they can't do. And then he's got a he's innovative, and he's got the ability to motivate. Now look, 
he will coach you hard. He is, I mean, and he coaches the same way now that he did, you know, when he took his first job at BU or he was coaching the Knicks or he was coaching Kentucky or he was coaching winning championships at Louisville. Um, he's a master teacher. He's addicted to the game of basketball and, and loves to be in the gym. And, and as a head coach, to love being in the gym and helping guys get better. He has that ability. He was one of the first to really get involved with individual player development, which has become a huge trend across the country. And he's probably as good as anyone at it. Seth, how do you, do you enjoy the game night thing to traveling around? I mean, it's got to go to a different campus and the crowds, something you, you enjoy. Yeah, you know, you know, Jay, I tell people, the, the, the great thing about ESPN just in general is I work with the greatest team that I've ever worked with. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's the people you work with. You know that. I mean, you're only as good as the people you work with. And the, and the selfless people that I work with at ESPN, uh, whether it's producers, directors, research people, all they want you to do is have a good show. I just, I'm talking ball. I mean, I've talked ball my whole life. I mean, it's something I love doing. I'm, you know, I'm so invested in the game. It's, it, you know, I didn't dream of becoming a TV guy, quote unquote. I'm going to start my 12th year. I wanted a coach. I chased that dream there. Unfortunately, I got let go at Virginia Tech. I had a younger family. I wanted to obviously continue to help my family live. And, and I, I got this incredible, incredible opportunity. And uh, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I am, I'm really, really one of the more fortunate people. Uh, to live your life I have. But game day is fun. It's fun. Like going out, you know, you go to Kentucky, you go to Kansas, you come here, you go, and you walk out on that, and you, you know, it kind of, it, you get that energy that you, you, know, you got with coaching. The only difference is, Jay, I don't impact anyone's life. And that's the thing I miss yeah. most. I'm, I, I cry every time I hear a Valvano speech now uh, with the, with, with Dick Vitale. You know, I first made Dick at, uh, he was coaching East Rutherford High School, so we go back a long way together. But what he's done for the V Foundation and the whole connection with Krzyzewski, I mean, uh, it, it's still a remarkable speech. And money, it's still, how, how many years is it? 20-plus years? Well, he died in the early, mid-90s, didn't he, Jimmy? Yeah, it's more than that. I think it's the 25th year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You know, Jimmy grew up in Seaford, Long Island, which is right by us. I mean, he recruited my brother Brad when he was an assistant in Connecticut, and my mom threw him out of the house. You, you'll get a kick out of this, Jay. I mean, he comes to recruit Brad. We went to the Nets-Denver Nuggets championship game. Jimmy went with us, so we had an extra ticket. So they moved it, the, the home visit at our house back. So we get to the house about 10 o'clock. He's rearranging furniture. He's telling stories at, like, quarter to 12. My mom goes upstairs. He's, he's entertaining Brad and myself, and we're laughing, and we're having a great time. At about 12.30, my mom peeks out from upstairs and goes, Coach Valvano, you got to go. He's Brad's got the SATs tomorrow. All right, he needs to get some rest. And she literally threw him out of the house. Ted, did you ever think, looking back from your fairly days, that you'd be close to 400 wins as a head coach? I mean, you, I mean, you had a remarkable career in TV and in the coaching run. Yeah, you know what? I, As you know, Jay, that's what I always wanted to do. I never, I, you know, when I went to Fairleigh Dickinson, I, I didn't pick Fairleigh Dickinson because of the journalism program or communications program. I picked Fairleigh Dickinson because uh, of Coach Lababo's reputation as a, and I wanted to play uh, for a coach where it could help me grow as a, as a coach and, and make me a little bit different. So I always wanted a coach. I approached it that way. I mean, the highlights of my season sometimes were the coaches' clinics when Coach Schneider, Coach K would come in and I'd get a chance to demonstrate. Uh, so, I, I mean, that was my dream. 
you know, I loved playing, but I, I, you know, I approached it a little bit differently. Uh, and you remember my senior year, I spent my last month and a half, my senior year as, at Fordham with Tom Pember, Penders as a graduate assistant. And then I got the job at Columbia. So I look, I've been so fortunate, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've been lucky. I have a lot of friends that never had a chance to become a head coach. I had a chance to become a head coach at a, a young age at Long Beach State, at South Florida, and then you know, you think about it, I've coached in the Big West, I've coached in Conference USA, I've coached in the Big East, and I've coached in the ACC. Uh, you know, been ACC Coach of the Year twice. I've been really, really just fortunate to have a lot of people in my life that have helped me, you being one of them, Coach Holland, in my time at University of Virginia being one of them, uh, and so many others that built bridges for me to cross, to have a chance to have a life. Now I've got a great agent. You met him the other day, Gideon Cohn, who... Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. He, great guy. He helped. Yeah. He helped put me in a position to, you know, basically in a lot of ways, which I didn't realize at the time, audition at ESPN. So I've had a lot of great people in my life that have that have kind of helped build bridges for me to cross to help live the life I've lived. I've been I've been really really fortunate, and, and I don't take any of it for granted. One day, is your preparation ongoing after the season? When do you, when do you start going to full gear, or you do it continually? You know you know, who, the incoming freshman. How do you keep track of the transfer portal? That's been hard. That? That's been hard. That's that's ongoing. That's just, you know, because I, I think there's going to be more transfer, graduate transfers uh, at the end of summer school, to be honest with you. Because if you graduate, there was a deadline for transfer portal unless you're a grad transfer. So, like, there, there are guys taking summer school classes that are getting eligible at their institution that are then going to transfer you know, come August, which makes it really hard on the coaches, uh, for sure. I, 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 I approach coach, uh, TV, like I approach coaching. Uh, I put time in every single day. You are your habits. Uh, it's one of my favorite lines. You are your habits. And, you know, you've got to work at it every day. Like I was in Texas. Uh, I was in Lubbock, Texas last week calling the TBT. So I went over and I spent time with Grant McCaslin, the new coach at Texas tech and, uh, and watched them practice. I'm here in Louisville. Uh, yesterday morning, early in the morning, I went over and watched Louisville practice. I actually spoke to their team and I uh, spent time with Coach Payne. So uh, when I get back from this trip, which will be uh, beginning of August, uh, I'll spend three, four hours every single day breaking down every single league. Uh, you got to know about 150 different teams and you've got to know if, if you're good at this thing, you can't have your notes in front of you, Jay. You've got you've to process it. So I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so it takes me a little longer. So I'll go, I've already started, I've started my, I, I do a, literally a, a handwritten book. I should do it on my laptop, on my iPad, but I don't. I do a handwritten book. I break down best backwards, best frontcourts, best defensive backwards, best offensive backwards, best shooters, best playmakers. And then I go through every single league that has more than one potential team that makes the tournament. And I do a scouting report on them. No different than I was, if I was coaching against them. I get out on Synergy, I watch tape, I read. And, uh, you know, I'll have about 150 teams scouted by probably my daughter's getting married September 30th. So but probably by the 1st of November, I'll have a full scatter report on pretty much anyone I'm going to see and have to talk about in in the first month of the season. I got to tell you, I know this is before your time. So my first day on a job at Fairleigh Dickinson, we're playing in Maine. Or in oh, Maine. I remember that trip. No, I made that trip, Jay. Oh, the, the, oh, the, 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 the planes, trains, and automobiles. I made that. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, this might have been, I started in seven, whatever it was. 74. So we're in Maine and Van Fox with Jim. I was keeping score. I copied the numbers down wrong in the scorebook. We started the game with two technical fouls. I think we wound up losing in overtime. And I remember Coach Lowe came <laughs> to the bench and said to me, now I know why effing NYU dropped basketball, you dumb so Luckily, <laughs> my relationship got better with him. You know, I used to I remember on the road trips with Al, rest in peace, had the one long hair, used to comb it around like that. The old comb around here. We used to, used to uh, be hey, a, Jay, we, we used to, my first, my freshman year, and I tell this, I tell this story all the time. So my freshman year, there were 12 chairs lined up across the free throw line. Uh, my first practice, Fairleigh Dickinson. And, you know, Coach Babble, obviously, you know, he coached, he taught in high school. He came over for practice, which is amazing in itself. And practice was starting, I think, 2.30. At 2.30, no one's there. 2.35, no one's there. We're all sitting down. Dick Wiseman, the assistant coach, told us to sit down. I remember Dick, yeah. And coach comes in, and you, you're right. He had one strand of hair. He wrapped it around his head a thousand times and put a whole can of, of, of hairspray on it. And every right. time he would scratch his head, the whole thing would go up and down, and we'd almost lose it. But, <laughs> but, but, I, but I remember... I remember vividly. So he's he comes finally comes down from the stairs where his office was, and he w- starts walking in front of us, back and forth, back and forth, and like I am about to. We had these white practice shorts and and the practice jersey. I'm about to crap in my pants. I'm so nervous, and he goes, "Hey, I'm your coach, Al Lowe. I want you to like me, not to love me, because loving leads to screwing, and no one screws with Al Lababo." And I was like, holy moly, what have I gotten myself into? And then the only other time, Coach Law, he called me in my junior year. Uh, he called me into his office. And he'd do that every once in a while. Like on the road, he'd call me to his room. And I think he had a couple of bourbons in him. And he'd tell me what, you know, you know I'll tell you one thing. One day you're going to have a team. And he would start, he would go into some tirade. And I mean, he would be ripping my ass, McQuinsky's ass solips ass and everything knowing that i was going to go back and say the old man is pissed <laughs> like you know like holy holy crap the old man and i i still remember walking up those stairs and i and like i thought you know everything was pretty pretty good with everyone i mean like we were doing what we were supposed to do and taking care of business and he, i'm sitting down he's sitting behind that desk and you know he you know and you know, he's telling me, well, you know, someday you're going to have a team and this is, and you're going to have to learn this. And he, he's like, he was kind of serious. He goes, and I can't wait till you have your own team. And, you know, and sure enough, we're playing, I don't know, we beat, we beat someone and I got a great phone call from him. I was at, I forgot who it was. I think it actually might've been the Louisville win here, but then we played like two weeks later, we played and we played really poorly and we didn't defend worth of crap. And I get this call. 
Hey, Jay, I've done it. It was like I was having flashbacks. I was nervous. You know, first of all, the phone rings. He goes, hey, it's Coach Law. And then you know how he calls sometimes and it was dead silence for like 20 seconds? Yes. Right? He wanted to kind of sink in. Well, he, he let it sink in. And then he goes, you guys don't guard worth a crap. And he, <laughs> he laid into me like I was a player. Hey, hey, so what I did was I called my assistants up. I said, I just got ripped by my college coach because we're not guarding anyone. <laughs> That's funny. You know, one, one story from me is in my eight years there, we lost in 36 different states. <laughs> 36, and I gave that note to Sports Illustrated, ran with it. And I got called into the president's office. What are you doing? Are you schmuck? And I thought it was. Yeah, we did, you know, it was a philosophy back then would be the first team on a schedule, get a good advance, and hopefully we get an arena. And, but it didn't work out until Al left. But I ended up, we played in Utah, Virginia, Florida, Georgia, Texas. Uh, and it was like 36 different states that we lost, you know, and, and I thought it was fun. Hey, Seth, it's great catching up with you. It was great. But we were, you know what I like about me? We, we haven't forgotten our roots. You've had success in your thing. I did okay for me. You're pretty good. We still go back. We still go back to our FDU team, and you know, thank you. Got me on an email chain. I keep in touch with the guys, which I really appreciate. It's good to hear from guys who worked with 30, 40 years ago. And you know, I see you and you know Jay Jordan do great work with the teamworks thing, and our our dear friend Tom Barisi died a couple oh, of years ago. Oh, we we contribute to them. It's really good to do good stuff like that. Yeah, I tell you one thing, just so, you know, from us. How do you contribute to team? You can go uh, teammatesforlife.com, teammatesforlife.com, and you can make a contribution. And uh, all that money goes right out to, young, to, to either former athletes or their families uh, to help alleviate some of the financial stress that maybe some people are going under. Uh, are under. And we've done a lot of good things. And Jay's done a terrific, terrific job. Great job. Yeah. Hey, Jay's last, a judge. Right? The last thing. We, we are all so proud of you and what you've done and your legacy and the impact you've had on so many people. And we talk, Jay, I'm telling you one thing. We talk about you almost every time we talk and, and and it, we're, we're so, I mean, good things happen to good people. You were so good to us and you're so good at your job. I enjoyed my time here at FDU. It was a good time. The pros are great, but it's a certain thing being in the college atmosphere, traveling, being the underdog every place you went, you know, and, you know, one last thing for me, we were playing a basketball game in Georgia Southern, and I got on the radio, and the guy said to me, what is Fairly Dickinson? He says, well, you know, Angie Dickinson, the TV actress, Fairly was her husband. And I got another call from the school. I don't know how I made it through eight years there, uh, Seth, really, I said, you know, Fairly Dickinson married Angie Dickinson, you know, and but it was fun. I really... You know, I, I enjoyed the college atmosphere, the campus life, the traveling, you know, the coach out was experience. And I'm glad you have me keep in contact with the guy. It means a lot. Yeah, it's man. been great. And you saved me when I, when I got let go of tech and you David Wright called me, who was a big hokey fan, and you guys had me out to the to the game uh, with my daughter. That was a great part of our healing process. So again, you thank know, you for that. It wasn't a great PR move of being part of your own school the way you found out you were let go. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, David Wright loves the Hokies. He, 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 he is, but let's stay in touch. You Seth, got it, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you.